Hey, you want to hear actually a funny story about that? Yeah, always. So we did uh, we did painted chaos first. Uh, that's 1420 my new bull so we did him and and he's a mean sucker so he he does his then we did buck and he does his and then we run in fire beats yeah and uh they stick two the, pump chomp no 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 he, he's he had a he you know he's like his dad here he's got a little three pumps yeah yeah three <laughs> <laughs> three pumps yeah no no they they put the the uh vibrator in him and uh, so they start cranking it or whatever. Just, just, like, just, like, his, just like his dad likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they start giving him the cranks, and he's like, uh, uh. <laughs> And he started moaning. And, and then he's like, uh, uh. <laughs> And the, the vet tech, she was like a, a younger girl or whatever, and you could tell like she was just trying to hold in a laugh. <laughs> and then uh, Trent, my vet, I was like, Trent, he's been to your house, hasn't he? And he just started laughing. He's just like, uh, uh. man, that's that's one that's one job I don't miss doing. Well, so uh, so here we are, episode sixty-seven, cowboy shit, Ted and Wacy, and our special guest host this week, yes, Mr. James Foley. Repeat so we're, guest, repeat guest. Yeah, this is his uh, second time on the show. He's also he's actually. One of our best guests ever. I don't know if it was him or if it was the other guy on that show, but like it had a lot of. It's probably me. Had a great amount of downloads. So a lot of, a lot of people didn't hear, like, didn't know too much about our other guest. No, no, it was mostly about yourself, Mister Foley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, we're recording from your kitchen table in Lloydminster today. FBB headquarters. Yeah, Foley Buck and Bulls World Headquarters, Lloydminster, Forty Seventh Street, Lloydminster. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Do you, do you guys want to hear another funny PF story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is gold. I had to, my one year I was working on the PFRA and I had to hold the vibrator in. <laughs> Why? <laughs> These ones just stayed in. I think they screwed you over. Well, my, this might be some new technology you're working with then, though, but I literally had to, we had 40, 42 bulls on the PF I was at, and I'd yeah, stand behind all 42 to hold the vibrator. <laughs> you can shit on. <laughs> Did you, you have, shit on and did kick. you have to stick your hand in there and clean the poop out? Oh. No, that was with the vet. That was the vet. Oh, so you were you were a designated vibrator <laughs> holder for a year? Yeah, <laughs> I was. Oh man, Wacy, where have these stories been for the pod the last three years? Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't know, man. It's not as good as Jo and the Bulls, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the one time. We were, I think we were preg test because like the at the PF they'd always preg test for the patrons as well. Yeah, and it was a it was a it was a big day for me because my manager let me run the head squeeze and it was like an automatic head squeeze, so I was pretty stoked because that's like a easy job. So I fucking just one cow runs in and I go to squeeze her and I must have like missed the latch on it and the latch pops back. It's a big long like probably two foot long pipe that you got to press down the latch to like squeeze Ooh, them. Right in the I missed the latch ball sack and it. No, right in my right in the chin, like literally oh. almost KO'd me in the oh. middle of this field. Just got oh. piped. Yeah. Really? And that yeah, was your first time running the squeeze? For him. Because my boss was like a like a middle aged fellow who was an old school cowboy, so I had to like step up. my way, I guess. Had to work your way know. in. Yeah, he's like, Hey boy, you're not touching this head squeeze. You get in the back and yeah. hold the vibrator. You're holding the vibrator <laughs> today, boy. <laughs> get your get your hands dirty. Uh what are we talking about this week? I kind of lost track. We kind of just got rolling there and just uh, 
You came came yeah. in pretty spicy. Yeah, yeah, pretty spicy. What have you been up to, Spoli? What have you been up to besides jerking off your bowl? <laughs> uh well that that was a highlight of my week and it's only monday tell us do you want to explain anyone why you got a jo your bulls is that a thing or we do not need to know i I can explain if you want yeah go ahead ways yeah well you're the vibrator holder so you tell them what it (laughs) is i'm an expert in this field you got to semen test your bulls and see if they have like a certain semen counter if they're semen alive or dead to know if they're going to produce and if in most cases if a bull doesn't have like a high enough semen counter they're bunched or whatever they get off to the can because they cannot producers but it might be different in a bucking bull case well they can still buck yeah but it's, like, it's like probably a, a little a commercial bit, bull a little bit different bucking bull world yeah because they can still have purpose but like a breeding bull if he doesn't pass the semen test he really literally has no value so how many how many men over the age of 35 would be on the way to the can <laughs> i bet you i'd say over 50 percent. my dad would be a goner he snipped he's gone oh dang oh man once you pass once you pass 40 you're right you're right to the your dog you're right to the beat, right to the like what, what if they didn't factory. tell what if they didn't tell like uh like dads or or like after you get snipped but uh, that was actually like you're going to the can your wife's like, hey, I booked you in uh, next week to get snipped. Oh. You're, going, you're going on a little trip, honey. <laughs> yeah. Okay, kids. Dad, dad had to go to the can. No more babies. <laughs> wow. No more dad. Pre- just, that's, pre- just that. ran- that's just ranching, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, but anyways, Ted, that's what it is, bro. Well, well I, I appreciate it. I, did uh, you... Uh, some wait, folks might not know, so... Wacy, did you ever look at the... Uh, the, 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 the... The semen? Yeah. Yeah, just look at the microscope, bro. Yeah, but what what did it look like to you with all the little swimmers? What did it look like to me? I don't know. Are you like, this, are you setting me up for something? No, no, no. But I thought it was like uh, you ever see that drink? Um, it was like no, it's like purple. It's like a vodka or something like that, and you shake it up. It's got the swirls in it. Anybody see that before? I don't Can't know, say that I have. I don't know what it's called. But no, girl, I don't know where you're going with that. It's not like girl, the purple drink, like it, the rapper's but it, drink. But it's got it? like a swirl, so you shake it up. and Porn stars? Like, no, 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 no. Looks Any, like looks like, uh, looks like pulp and orange juice. <laughs> a heavy pulp. <laughs> no, I don't. It doesn't, <laughs> heavy pulp and orange juice. <laughs> it doesn't look like that, but no. when you look in the microscope, it is just like uh, LA traffic. Oh, really? Like Some these things are bouncing on. Like, have you ever seen an overview of India? Like a traffic jam in India. No. Well, that's what Google it, so and that's, that's what that's sperm what looks like. She's just packed. Everybody's hitting each other. Oh yeah, right there. Did What's all, that? Here's Vinic. my question for you, Foley. Yeah. Did your bull, all your bulls pass? Yeah. So uh, painted chaos. No, actually, bucked in. He was sixty-one percent. Ooh, baby. But man, the guy's a performer. You put him like. I told the vet, I said, you know what? Maybe he's a little nervous. We had a hard time. Uh, <laughs> they had a hard time getting the zzz, zzz, you know what I mean? Getting him getting aroused. Little, getting, his he little, wasn't, getting, his little, getting his little red rocket out. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't moaning <laughs> like, uh, like Firebeats. Oh, Firebeats was moaning unbelievable. <laughs> this, on this episode, I, yeah, I like, wish it after hey, dark. <laughs> 14, 20 went in, no, like two minutes. Filled the, like quarter a cup. You know what I mean? Smacked him on the ass onto the trailer. Buck comes in there. We had to do a little foreplay, get him going, get our sample, smack him on the ass onto the trailer. Warm him up a little bit. Yeah. Fire Beats gets in there and they start hammering up he the, lifts, the... He lifts his tail, lifts no, no. His tail up. No, no. They start, they start giving him some vibration and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and the vet couldn't even believe it. He's just, uh, uh, uh. I was like, holy man. Oh my God. But we got, we got our, we got our scene. This, this, this episode's rated R. <laughs> We're gonna well, have to put an extra, extra warning label on it. But that—that's ranching. You got to semen test the no, animals. No, you know what? That's it's, it's a part. It's a part of life, you know. And people, and this, yeah. So the ranchy folk make their living. You got to have bulls with strong semen. Oh, wow. you got to semen test them, and you get might get a little weird. It's fine. So we're we're putting four, <laughs> we're putting fourteen twenty out on cows and uh, putting uh, fire beats out on a couple. And then my plan is to uh, get fourteen twenty so I can uh, export some semen as he was never collected in the states. So that's why you, that's why you got to do those things. And uh, yeah, Firebeats is a moaner. Who would have guessed? <laughs> He's a screamer. So how many how many Confirmed straws screamer. do you get out of one sample? Uh, well, I think that's it all. I've always wondered. I think it's all uh, depends on load size. I believe like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 1420 like a quarter cup it was impressive fire beats didn't wow. have that much Good but man. it makes you look at uh, styrofoam coffee cups a lot different <laughs> oh you guys did co- coffee cups really? yeah that's what they use and then it's got a little no, thing and they... my little my vet my the vet that we had a little like you know like a golf ball retriever kind of like same kind of thing as that and they put a little bag in it then they just like put it over the little red rocket and then <laughs> put in there was... in the bag <laughs> yes yeah, in a little bag yeah, uh, the bag. Uh, I think with the, the coffee cup, you got to get kind of close. Like it might get a little on you. Well, he had a, like he had the golf, the golf ball. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's not like you're right in there, <laughs> taking a look at Just it. Hold. Wearing that's safety glasses. The, that's the hard job for the hired help. That's the job you make Jamie do. Holy, hold the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, the cup holder. Oh, yeah, would you. you? Hey, would you rather hold the cup or hold the vibrator? <laughs> Ooh, you know what? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. That I'd, ra- I'd rather, I'd rather hold the vibrator because I don't want to get cow kicked by the bull. Because you know, like if if it's like in Firebeats' case, if it feels good, you might cow kick forward a little bit. You know, like kind of like a dog when you like move his leg and scratch his belly. belly. Yeah, uh, like you're not gonna <laughs> kick backward. I, I don't. I think I'm gonna hold the cup because <laughs> you're the, into that kind of thing. Well, the vibrator's <laughs> inserted. <laughs> <laughs> Wakes it could do both can you do, for sure. You, did Jamie? Did Jamie just say can you do both? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, the old reach around they call that. Oh man, oh, um, we gotta we gotta get to our interview this week. Um, you got a song ready yet? Can we no. go on in here? What's oh oh oh? This is a good story. This is a. Do Do you know that band? I know that song. Okay, so really so more than a, more long than story long here. We, uh, I had a bull buck in, in, um, no, uh, Colorado Springs and, uh, we're staying, we're staying at a hotel where like everybody at the PBR was staying. So we're, we're, this hotel's huge. I can't remember the name anyways. So we, we ran the 5k for, uh, the rider relief fund. Um, You ran a 5k. Yeah, I ran a 5k. I'm, I'm in shape. This was, I was a little more shape than I am now. So he's got a bit of a barrel on him now. I do. Uh, it's a you're mini. Not, it's a mini mini cake. But anyways, so we run the five k. How fast was your time? Wait, how fast was your five? Uh, what was time? our times, Jamie? Twenty eight minutes. Yeah. yeah, that's not, that's not bad. bad. That's not bad. Yeah. it's pretty reasonable. 
Yeah. That's like what you're at right now, isn't it, Waze? My fastest is 24. Oh, well, that that ain't bad, I guess, for being somebody a lot skinnier than me. So think about that, Waze. Or a guy that had smoked dart, hack darts for 13 years and Jamie. So. Yeah, Jamie smoked darts. So anyways, we run this 5K. That sounds like new problems. <laughs> we run the 5K. We cross the finish line. Everybody's drinking water. Me and Jamie grab Bud Lights. I toss in a dip. He has a cigarette. We're done. We're done running. <laughs> athletes. That, athletes, right? I believe I laid on a table, didn't I? There's a table there, and I laid on it and just hammered a beer. So anyways, we go back to the hotel, and uh, we're drinking in the, the the bar at the hotel or whatever, and uh, Gary, is that his name, Gary? Barry. Barry from oh, Storage yeah, Wars. From Storage Wars. He's there, and, and uh, Jamie is probably the drunkest human in the United States of America by now. And that's saying something. <laughs> and that's something to say. So he's he's smoking joints with Barry out in the parking lot. And oh, uh, anyways, he comes back in. The bar shuts down. And these guys come walking. And there's these big couches in the in the lobby. And they sit down with these guitars. And uh, our buddy, Cody or uh, Colby Pepper from Mississippi, is like, you guys are going to play any sweet songs or what? And these guys are like, wow. Uh, no, not really. Okay, then get the <laughs> fuck out of here. And they grab their guitars and walk away. And this lady comes up and she's like, you guys know that's a thousand horses, right? And Kobe's like, well, I don't know any of their songs. Well, they sing that song, Smoke. Man, I love that song. Tell them to come back. Dude, we start yelling at them. They're already pissed off. They got in their tour bus and took off. No way. Yeah. Oh, so, dear. Too bad for really? them. Really? That's so, so funny. So uh, I mean, but like amateur, amateur answer on their end. It's like they're not gonna play any sweet songs. I'd be like, fucking right, you're gonna play some sweet songs. We're about oh, to rock duh. your face off. Yeah. If you're if you're good at guitar, what's the first song you play? And everybody's Wonder drinking. Wonderwall. <laughs> Wonderwall. Only if you're Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Jumper. Jumper. Anyways, brother, here's Wonderwall. From, from uh, from Yes Man, the Jumper song. Yeah, that's a good one. What What are you playing? If you're Me? good at, are you good at guitar? Uh, no, but I, one time I, uh, I don't even know how to play it, but one time I tried to learn Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. Oh, man, Kate. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke bam, bam, on bam. the water. But Kate, you're, you're, you're a party. You know what I mean? Storm. Acoustic guitar. Yeah. What's, sure. your, one, what's your song? Storm. Sure. fucking Wagon Wheel by Darius Rucker. <laughs> no, fuck <laughs> you. The original one. It's not that fucking Okay, what it's storms on the one. other couch? She's looking at you, Ted. Ted, you're looking at her. There's a little friction in the air. <laughs> a possible. Oh, I got a song. I got my song for that that moment. You do. Yeah, night moves, Bob Seger. Oh, oh well, oh, night moves. Go. Well done. Night moves. Well done. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah. One. What are you going with? You're Ted? definitely getting a smooch after that. Um, one of these nights by the Eagles. Bow. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. You're all right. Is that good? Yeah. Is that a good on acoustic guitar though? Probably not. I don't know, but acoustic, but whatever. I think it, I, you can do anything acoustic. I think it's like Ted. It's fine. Ted, Ted just at the party with this chick. Pulls. She asks <laughs> if, she, if, she can, if he can play. And he's like, ah, uh, not really. Whips out his guitar and his amp. <laughs> <laughs> and plays uh, the Eagles. Just plays it. I, yeah, I think, I, yeah, you, yeah. I play a little bit, like not really. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta get to this interview, then we'll come back and bullshit some more. Okay, okay, okay. On this episode of Cowboy Shit, episode sixty-seven, 
live from Lloydminster and Calgary, Alberta at the same time. Recorded. <laughs> <laughs> On a Monday night. Uh, here we are. Uh, Mr. The, the 1994 champion of the world, Daryl Mills. Pink Mountain, British Columbia. Here we go after this. The windows roll down And I'm cruising these back roads On the outskirts of town And I can feel the wind blowing Hear the big engines whine When I'm cruising these back roads All my troubles are behind He's the 1994 PRCA World Champion Bull Rider and the 1993 Reserve World Champion, a founding member of the PBR and a 2006 inductee into the Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Last fall, this man topped the Everything Cowboy list as the greatest bull rider in Canadian history. From Pink Mountain, British Columbia, Mr. Daryl Mills, thanks for joining the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, no worries. We So we had you on that last on that show. That was episode 50. This is number 67. And we, uh, we kind of had some bad phone service, so we've been... Try, we've tr- been trying to get this on the books for quite a while, and it hadn't happened until until today. We're in the middle of June, and things is a bit things are a bit different since uh, since that last chat we had. Yeah, it's changed a little. I had to move my way a little farther south so I could get phone service and talk to you guys. Yeah, you're calling us from yep. uh, from Fort Saint John today. That's right. And and so we were just talking before we got recording here, but but Pink Mountain for those for those that don't know, for those that are fans of Daryl Mills would would know exactly where it is. But we're talking another hundred miles northwest of Fort Saint John, where you are right now. And Fort Saint John from Calgary is about a probably a ten hour drive, I would imagine, isn't it? Yeah, close to twelve actually, from my house right into Calgary. Wow. So then, yeah, Pink Mountain, and then you're a ways away from there as well. So what? Let's just start off. What was what was rodeo and like from being from Pink Mountain? It had to be you couldn't have got there very often during the season. Well, aside from a couple little steer riding episodes at junior rodeos, I never got. Or I mean, at, at regular rodeos, I never even got involved until I moved into Fort St. John to go to high school and grade 10, 11, and twelve, and I just got involved with the high school rodeo club. So when you had to move down to Fort St. John from Pink Mountain just to go to high school? There wasn't a high school close by? No, no schools. Um, We did have a little double-wide trailer for an elementary school. I took a few grades there, and before that, it was all homeschool. Um, So how, like, what led you to bull riding then? Where did that, where did that? Well, like I said, even, like, at our brandings, growing up on a ranch and the brandings, and as soon as I was big enough and, and I had the opportunity, I'd be, they'd be holding the calf in the corner of the pen and I'd be riding it and kind of started that way really. And as I got older, the, the, the cattle got bigger at brandings. Hell, I was running the range bulls out straight out shoot or work and shoot just to ride them. It was the big thing of the year. And, and you know, when I started, when I started high school, I didn't have the opportunity with a vehicle and, and horse and all of that to do any of the roping events. So I didn't have the means or money to get a horse and truck and rig. And so I just, I did have enough money though, to buy a bareback rig and then a bull rope. And, and then just by videos and, and just some friends and, and whatnot. That's how I started in high school rodeo. 
And how, how long did you ride bareback horses for? My first year pro, actually, uh, 1990, oh, wow. I still I still rode bareback horses, and then I decided it was slowing me down. I just that wasn't where I wanted to be, and I, I couldn't ride them like I wanted to. You know, I had a strong arm, could get by them, but I just didn't have that, you know, that flair the bareback rider needs. Oh, I I read something about 1990 in your pro rodeo hall of like the Canadian pro rodeo hall of fame in your uh, in your bio there. It mentioned that one of your most memorable rides was on a boat called Chainsaw in Australia in 1990. Why don't we talk about that story a bit? See, that was before I turned pro in Canada. I went that winter. I went and spent a couple months. I had some good friends down in Australia. And I just, before I got there, they had my card bought and I was entered up and give me a swaggy and my first ride to the first rodeo and the way I went and about partway through my time being there, I drew up on this bull and I had no idea what it was. And heck, I think Tony Heckshaw was a bareback rider there. And he, he said, you know, I, I ride bareback horses and I don't know many bulls, but I know which one you have today. He said, and then, and then I started to learn more about this bull that I never knew. And he was a very famous bull in Australia and just, you know, a Brahma bull with a, huge belly roll and uh you know he was he was more famous than the than the cowboys were in australia around the rodeos so it was it was quite a thing just to be able to draw him and then to ride him and win the rodeo was that was it was a pretty big deal at that time what what was that what was that like were you kind of worried about that one at all or or were the guys trying to scare you a bit or what, what was what was that experience like what was the ride like what was the score well it was <laughs> I shoot. I'm not even sure what the score was. Probably, uh, yeah. I don't even know. I, I I know that I won it. I know that uh, it was it was kind of different. You know, you, their pro rodeos were a little bit behind our pro rodeos in North America, so they were a little more amateurish. And you know, they run the whole section of bull riding, and then and then they start introducing this bull before they even load him in the buck and shoot. So it was quite a it's quite an experience. Everybody's wandering around the back of the chutes and they load this bull in and bulls trying to lay down in the buck and shoot. And I'm trying to get my rope on him and get ready to go. And he's, and everybody's just, you know, not helping really just kind of letting the bull do his thing. And, and they're just keep, and then they start chanting, they chant the bull's name. And I mean, it, it definitely would get you off your game if you let it, but you know, it would also, it also builds you up if you let it do that. And that's what I did. And I mean, I got the bull standing good and he, he didn't have quite, I don't think quite the day that I've seen pictures of him have, but I don't know. I mean, he was a great, great bull and I, I rode him well and won the event, but it it is definitely an experience you know guys walking around behind the buck and shoots with beers just like an amateur rodeo you know it was just the, the atmosphere was so much different were you a local legend after you rode that bull they well, make a statue of you down there <laughs> yeah, no no but at that time i think i was the third guy that ever rode the bull and i think troy dunn was probably the first two guys you know i mean so it was to that point where everybody around the rodeo world, they, they heard about it and they knew about it when you got there. Hmm. I think I, I remember reading a story about that bull, actually, like some one of my Australian buddies posted it on Facebook. Or something. It's funny. You know, he wasn't a real big bull, kind of a, you know, a tan colored Brahma bull. 
and just average horns but he, he was very athletic there's some awesome pictures out there i know of troy dunn and that bull is as high as the top of the buck and shoots and laying straight sideways and still lands on his feet wow i mean just he, he was impressive Daryl, I wanna I wanna ask you about a few more memorable rides. There was one on uh, Wolfman at the NFR. There was one video I saw come up the other day where you rode Trick or Treat in Swift Current and landed right on your head. It looked like I might have stung a bit. That was probably one of my biggest rides in Canada. Really, um, he, that was at one of the old Budweiser Series qualifiers for Calgary, and. I, I know right before me, Cody Custer rode ring rust and he was winning it. And I'd rode smoothie, another Will Gerlitz bull in the round before that black muley bull. It really bailed high in the air to get to that round. And then trick or treat just had a great day and I did not get off. Right. I uh, kind of come out the back door and he caught me with his hip and, and just threw me bad, rolled me over and kind of landed on the back of my head and, just kind of didn't really have my wits about me when I went to get up to get out of the way. And he hit me square in the chest right then and threw me in the air again. But you know, you know how the, the paychecks and the, and the fancy Budweiser jacket they give you just, you kind of forget that it, you know, he didn't hardly touch me. <laughs> but, and you, but you didn't, you weren't even wearing a, a vest at that time either. No, that was before we started wearing the vests. And it would have been a nice thing to have had on that day. No, oh, I bet. So what about what about the Wolfman ride? Like, how have you ever compared yours to the to the hundred point ride? Oh, I've looked at them. Yeah, I've looked at them lots, and I mean, you got to be there to to know it. But I've got both videos, and I've compared them. And I mean, he had an awesome day with me. That bull was really good. I drew that bull the year before, and he bucked me off, which I hate to admit, but he did. And so come back and draw him and win the round on him. I was pretty excited. What what was the the hype before like on before on that one? Cause it like Wade Wade was a hundred on him. Was that ninety one or what year was that? It must have been ninety one because the oh shoot I'm not even sure it might have been later than that. It wasn't after you though. I I, I it no it was after. before it was before. Yeah. Um, that was in yeah so it was probably like ninety three because it wasn't at ninety four I wrote him. You wrote him in 94. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he bucked me off at the finals in 93, I believe. Maybe it was 92. I don't remember. My memory's not that great. It's a long time ago now. Too many of them falls off the trick-or-treat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, one thing that was cool there is I, I had him in the first round and won the first round, and that bull was probably – I mean, he's he's just a little bull. He ain't hardly more than 1,400 pounds, probably. And then I drew in the next round, actually my re-ride bull in the next round was Big John. And there's a bull that's hitting 2,500 plus. Great big bull. And it, I mean, it was so funny because when I was in the bucket shoots with Wolfman, I know my family's in the stands, and they said they thought he was laying down. They couldn't see me. You couldn't even see my hat <laughs> over the top of the rails. You know, and then the next day, you can see my knees getting on that bull over top of the cheek. <laughs> like, it was all they horse. could do. It was all they could do to get the gates shut in the front and the back on that bull, and he was huge. And, I mean, just a whole different style of bucking. I mean, you know, Wolfman, fast, spinning, caddy, and this, that big John, great big bailing in the air. And 
won the second round on him. So that was an awesome way for me to start the 94 NFR. What what was the your most memorable moment at the at the NFR in the in the three years that you went? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I liked them all. Every time I rode one, man, there was a lot of good bulls. I remember riding there. I mean, Spotted John was another little Longhorn bull, a Lion Fives, and I won around at Canada Night on him. I mean. You couldn't, I think that same night, I think that was 92. I know Glenn Keeley and Dan Larry, I think all three of us placed that night or something. And it was Canada night. That was a, always fun. Um, Dodge Laramie, a bull of gains that they used to have a the big bounty on it. The, at the uh, oh, Mesquite Rodeo, trying to draw all the professional cowboys in. But they pulled the bounty off him for the NFR and I rode him there was one of my better rides I, I i liked all the times i had there you know as long as i was on top i have a question i was thinking of like you're one of the founding fathers of the pbr like can you talk a bit about that process of like how you guys got together and like basically made what we know as the pbr today you know right when i was going to the states when i first started like 90 to 92 in that area bull riding started breaking away and they started realizing the opportunity for spectators and, and and for a big show and so everybody and his dog wanted to be a promoter and put on a bull riding but you never knew like with all these people who was going to actually have a paycheck for you in the end and 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 you know was there going to be proper cowboy protection was things going to be run right and and some of the formats they run they you know it was kind of a last man standing they just kept wanting you to ride bulls and so we knew we had to put something in place that and we knew that we had that opportunity as being the top bull riders and it was all of us at the 92 nfr basically that were the original founders and then we had a few guys helping us um we just needed to get a format and 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 make sure that they were going to be run correctly and you were going to get paid at the end of the day the first there the first go. year, what the first season was with the PBR was technically ninety four, if you're counting the numbers. But you guys actually had events before that too, didn't you? In in like in ninety two and three, or am I ninety three? Ninety three, we did. Yeah, we had so, events in ninety three. We didn't have a finals. We weren't quite established that far yet. I think we just had it was just points at the end of the year or something. But ninety four, I believe, was our first finals. Well, and so '93, you guys didn't uh, didn't award a world title either because it's not on the on the numbers. So the first world champion in the PBR was '94. Yeah. So then you, then uh, how many of those events did you compete at yourself? I guess you would have competed the first. Uh, the I went. First yeah, team. I went to all of them in '94, and I well, I went to everything right up till I quit riding. Um, I I was fortunate enough to win one of them. I won Nashville, Tennessee, one year. Um. That was put on by, by uh, oh TSN I guess and Guthrie. Yeah, that's like that was like the wasn't it the Gaylord family weren't and didn't that's they right. own TNN like they were the people that that owned the TNN like the I forget what yep. it stands for but it was it that's was right. the same folks yeah and what, so that was like the bull that was where Bull Manza came from wasn't it Yep. and that one we obviously we sanctioned that one and that was another one that they produced yes. In Guthrie. And did, 
did it pay really well right off the bat too? That's that's that was one of the richest ones for a long time. It for the final to be the champion, I think it paid rounds, but it, to be the champion was ten thousand at that time. But that was our first year, or second year, I guess maybe. I'm wondering what the what the process was like in those first couple of years, building the PBR. Like what what were the what were the meetings and the conversations like when it started to become even bigger and you and you brought in different people to help build it? Oh, we could see it when we had guys like Nashville events and or I mean, uh, sorry, Las Vegas events and um, Budweiser get behind us. We knew we had a big event, and and then. I don't know. I, I, we were excited because we had control of it. And it was something that we were actually, not only did we own it, but we rode in it. And, and like, what, what were the, what were some of the next steps along the way you, you owned it and you rode in it. And and so you guys were like, were you getting paid dividends? Like you owned it and you rode in it, but then how were the profits put up throughout the years when you did things like that would have been, Interesting yeah, too. once we did get it established to where we actually had a little bit of money in the bank, we yes, we did start that it did start paying out dividends, and and so I gathered dividends off of that for several years, um, far more than what I ever actually had to invest to start it, and I don't know, it, it just grew from there. We had we've had ups and downs. I mean, we had to buy out our TV rights because we knew that was slowing us down. Originally, TNN came on with us, and then we knew that for us to expand and get farther, we had to buy it back. That set us back, and, oh, we had different things with shareholders selling shares. And, you know, all the normal things that go along with a new business and a new company and little things like that kind of held us back a little bit. But once we got everything all in a row, and it, I mean, it just flew. I mean, look at it today. It's, it's unreal, and it's pretty cool to see it and know that you were one of the guys in that small little room that said yep i'm in <laughs> and like that first time the story is you guys all put a thousand dollars in that was that was that all you guys ever invested off the bat or were there a couple different rounds there would have had to be some more rounds of investment wouldn't there have been uh the only other rounds of investment was actually for qualifications to our finals and i think it was only for a couple of years i know i was able to buy because i qualified in 94 so I bought more shares in 94 and I think 95, I think it was only those two years that they did allow us to buy more shares. And then after that, I mean, there was a couple deals we've made with different um, help that we've hired. Like I know Randy Bernard and, and uh, a few others, we actually paid out in shares because we did not have the money to afford to pay them at the time. Yeah. But other than that, that was the only opportunity. After they later in years, they did start giving you uh, a share every time you qualified, or something like that. Or it was it was a small portion of what we actually started with. But it actually gave the new riders an opportunity to actually be financially a part of it as well. Is, is that are you are you still part of it today? No, we. The last time we sold out, like the first time we sold, the, the buyers give us an opportunity to, to aspire capital the first time. And they, they give a few of us that were actually on the board of some sort, give us opportunity to buy back in um, a few shares. And I did that round. And then when it sold the second time, 
the buyers did not give us an opportunity. They wanted the whole thing. So we have, so that was it. When they sold the last time I, I sold all my shares. So the first, the first time you guys sold it, that was the big, that was the deal where, where you guys got like, was it 4.7 million or something? And that was like eight ever, all the 17 guys all got like the the four and a half million or so. And then, and then you guys went back, went back in and then, and then like the last time you're talking about is, is, is the Endeavor sale, correct? Like just in the last few years. Yes. Yes. And I was, and I was a shareholder till then. Till right right till then. So like 20, 22 or three years. Yeah. Wow. What was, what was that journey like being involved the entire way there? There wouldn't have been very many guys that were in it the entire time. No, there was only a handful of us actually that were, but uh, you know, it was good. We, I mean, we were on advisory boards and, and conduct committees and things like that, just to kind of help keep it in order and keep it running the way we were wanted it to run. Um, it, it was nice to be able to have that involvement and, and still a hands-on position, I guess. Well, if you could right now, would you want to be involved again in some capacity? I know, I know you had an event for a couple of years in Fort St. John, but, but is there another capacity you would be, you'd like to be back, back involved with in the, with the PBR? You know, I don't think so. I think I've passed that stage. I, I'm happy yeah. with it. I mean, I, I've enjoyed every bit of it and, and the whole thing, but no, no, I'm, I'm good with that. Carry on and do new things. That's fair. What, what do you think is kind of the most, uh, um, probably, I don't I know if I want to say important or the most like instrumental part of, of building the PBR. What do you think is, has been the, like the most important, um, piece of that in the last 27 years? The biggest importance is everybody sticking together, staying yeah. together as a unit, as one, because individually, you know, we're very small and, but as one, and especially, and that's how we started at the NFR top 15 in the world. So we had, we had a hold on the best bull riders in the world and said, Hey, here. And we took that to our sponsors and our TV. And, and that's what helped us to gain to where we got to today. I see. Cause before, like, like, uh, I've traveled with, uh, with Donnie Joe for the last, you know, few, two or three years here now. And he has a buckle from the George Paul in 1979, I believe. So they were yeah. they were starting individual like individual bull ridings for like fifteen years before you guys started. So there was, like you said before, there was a lot of independent pieces, but you guys brought it all together and with the top guy. And there was some like the George Paul and the Guthrie, and there was a few of them that I mean they were well run big bull rides that were I mean very prestigious. I mean, but the, after that, it started to get to where there was bull rides every weekend all over the country and you had to kind of get a control on it and so that's what that's that's the big change i mean those bull rides were great bull ridings too i I mean i rode there it was that one was um was sanctioned by the pbr as well at one point wasn't wasn't it but like it was kind of uh in the first probably six or seven years wasn't it yeah it was i know i rode old alligator there one year oh wow Big old Longhorn Watusi. <laughs> well, going going back to those years, I want to uh, fit this in, uh, and I'll put it, put it back to Wacy here. But I want to ask, uh, like, who you, who did you travel with in 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 your competing years? Who did you go down the road with? I never I've never known that part. When I first started, when I first started going across the border, it was with Glenn Keeley. 
Hell, I think Tommy Thielen and Kurt Wakefield traveled with us a little bit too, went and did the winter runs. And um, after that, I actually, Jerome Davis, I traveled with Jerome a lot. Um, I traveled with Cody Custer and Ted Noose for a while. Um, heck, I even I even traveled with uh, Cody Lambert and Ty Murray for a little while going to some of them PRCA rodeos. What's but, your favorites? Or sorry, go ahead. The, on the other Canadian, I guess I traveled with quite a bit there for a couple of years was Wade Joyel. When he decided mm-hmm. to go south, he come with me there. We entered up and traveled, and then I got hurt and missed quite a bit of it. But you and you two were both some of the top guys in the world, and both from both from Northern BC too. That's right. Uh I had one more question here that just came up, but what what were what's one of your favorite stories from the road? With traveling down the road with with the whoever it might have been from, you had to have some fun experience down there somewhere. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, traveling with guys like uh, like Glenn Keeley and and Jerome, you're a whole lot more reserved than you were traveling with some of the other younger guys or Wade or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, Glenn, he'd be on top of his game and top of the world, and you'd pull into a restaurant, and he'd have a salad bar and ketchup soup you know i mean he just <laughs> you know i i never liked that i always i was more the you know it's steak and wine time it's uh it's celebrate time you know when you win that part was was always kind of fun um i don't know actual times i mean with jerome you know you'd go one of his favorite things i always liked about him was you'd ask him well what do you want to do jerome and he'd say you know me daryl my give a shitter's broken <laughs> <laughs> Good old saying, but um, I don't know. There's lots of memories. I can't really even stick one out in particular. It, um, what, one thing I wanted to ask about was um, the transition into wearing vests. Like, what was that like? Was it a hard thing to start wearing a vest, something you're not used to when you've been riding all those years before that? No, actually, and I was the first Canadian to start wearing them. Cody Lambert and I and Ty Murray actually all got our vests the same day, practically. Um I was representing Phoenix um, in Canada, which was actually Tipperary at the time. And mm-hmm. and so we were behind um, helping to design them to restrict, so they wouldn't restrict your movements and what you needed, where you needed to bend and everything. Um, it was an easy, easy transaction for me, and it didn't take long, obviously, to spread throughout the entire rodeo nation. Did did Cody mind that you worked for a competing company when he made his vests too? No, because Cody was with <laughs> t- Cody was actually with Tipperary when he started. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know yes. that. Yes, he broke away from them after that. Oh, I, so it was. Oh. No, he was the same company. He, when we started, it was all the same. Oh really? And then he broke away and did his own line of rodeo gear after that. Oh, I see. I didn't know that part. Yeah. I okay. I thought there might have been a funny piece there, but I I missed it. <laughs> I know that I know that when we first started, like I ended up being a distributor for Tipperary in Canada, um, mostly because a lot of retail stores were getting in vests that weren't as good a vest, and they had the price jacked up too high on them, and I didn't like that. And so with me selling them, I ended up getting a lot of the I what I felt was the better vest to be wearing out amongst all the Canadians and 
I sold a lot of vests in the first two years. Yeah, just another question, just kind of moving away from the vest talk. Uh, what uh, at what point in your career did you decide that you were like could go down south and like make it and like, qualify for NFR and that kind of stuff? Well, I knew right when I started, I I just wanted to see how far I could get. I, I you know, I I wanted to prove to myself, and and actually my biggest thing is I wanted to prove that I could get to the NFR, and. After winning my first Canadian championship in '90, that's when I decided I'm I need to go south. I need to get going. I need to. I didn't. I, I knew I was on a time limit. I didn't ever want to ride bulls all my life. See, there's another thing. I'll bring Glenn up. Glenn, you'd ask Glenn, what do you want to do? He was going to ride bulls as long as he could ever ride bulls. That was it. I never did. I was on a time frame. I only had a few years, and part of that was I wanted my own family. I wanted my grandfather's ranch, which he needed help on. He couldn't run it without me so at that point i knew it was time to to head south i mean 91 wasn't a great year for me i ended up getting hurt and whatnot but 92 3 and 4 you know proved to get me to the nfr each year so i think i was ready so 93 you won the nfr average title uh and and missed winning the world title by like 95 dollars to to eventual winner ty murray and I don't know how things were, but that was probably one of the some of the peak time for Ty Murray. So you know, you probably could have won a hundred bucks here somewhere, but he <laughs> ended up winning that that year. I, I don't want to say it directly, but there was probably some favoritism. Honestly, you probably got loaded a couple of places, and you probably could have won that that one too. It, it comes; it's very close. I mean, right down to scores and everything. I mean, Ty did some great things there at the finals. He took re-rides on both. He was placing on that bumped him around. I mean, just one of those, you know, won it for him as well. So, I mean, I can look at it either way and we can say either or, but I just, I have to, I mean, I was going to quit. That was my last year. I wasn't going to go another year, but getting that close and that, you know, to a gold buckle was really hard for me to just know that I could be happy with myself when I walked away. And so it took me a while to figure out exactly what I was going to do. And I thought, you know what? I'm doing this one more year, rain or shine. That's I'm going to go for it. And I mean, otherwise that would have been it. So, I mean, it, it give me another year, another year of competition and good memories and good rides. And that was, that was, uh, you, what age, what age were you when you, like you're willing to, to be done at that point? You were 24 and 93 or, yeah. what, or is that right? I think so. Born in 68. So yeah, so twenty five, and then and then twenty six and ninety four. So you you wrapped it up right in the basically in the prime of your career the next year when you did win it. Yes, and you know I always, I mean not solely was it because of the ranch and whatnot, but I also looked up to guys and one that I and I've told him to his face, Wacy Kathy is a great great friend of mine, and I said I said you're the reason that I have stopped. I said you were one of the greatest bull riders ever but you rode too long. You kept going too long and the young kids were beating you and, you know, he wasn't riding. And those are what you remember. It's those last rides, guys that are out there and see the, how a guy finished. I wanted to finish on top. And so, I mean, what a better way to do it. Than winning the world and finishing like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. but I, I guess the other side of that for, for, you know, I, I think about it, like how many more, how many more, if you, if you, were that close in 93 and won it in 94 
maybe you could have won three or four times, but that it just wasn't something that you cared to do. Well, if it's not in your head, it's, you shouldn't be there. And I mean, I can give you another example of a guy that's, that's, uh, commended me every day when I talk to him is Jerome Davis. Look at him. He won the world in 95 the following year. He was a reserve in 93 or 94 when I won it. And then yeah. in a winter rodeo, you know, in a winter bull ride in Fort Worth, just lands wrong and paralyzed, spends the rest of his life in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, you got you to gotta take the good with the bad. I was happy with what I got. I didn't have to go just to keep winning. I, I won what I wanted. You know, I, my initial goal was to be the top 15 at the in, in the world and make the NFR. And I did that in 92, but I got there and I, I think I rode one or two bulls in the whole finals. And I just, I left there my head between my legs. You know, I just was, I felt so bad. I thought, you know, I got there and I didn't prove I even belonged in the top 15. And so that was a no brainer. I had to go back. I had to go back and prove that I did belong in the top 15. And that was, that was really my goal in 93. So, well then, so heading into 94, did you head in with that mindset, like knowing that you were going to win the world title that year, or you just kind of just had the same mindset as you did in 93? And it's funny because yes, when I, when I started 94, it wasn't any more to prove that I belonged at the NFR. 94 was solely gold buckle. That was, that was my intention right from first entry. When I decided to give it one more year, that was the end. That was the sole reason. And, you know, that's silly doing it like that. I mean, it it proves to you how you should really set your goals. Set your goals of where you want to be and don't short yourself. I mean, give yourself them small steps, but, you know, you got to set that goal, and that's what I did. I mean, I set my goal to get to the NFR. I made it there first year. I set my goal to prove I belonged there. I won the NFR. I won the average. Well, I guess I belonged there. And the third year, I set my goal to be the world champion, and, there was a few hiccups along the way. I mean, smashing my face in the buck and shoots there at Pinocchio set me back, missed all the Cowboy Christmas. Um, but then again, it, it gave me a lot more rodeos in the fall and ended up double entering just to get qualified again. I was in the top three, I think, when I got hurt, and I was, wasn't even going to make the NFR that year. So did you carry any like, added pressure with you into that the finals in 94, knowing that like the end goal of the gold buckle, like was that weighing on you at all, or did you use that kind of as a motivator? More as a motivator. I, I always rode better with pressure. I, I always did. I want some guys to pressure up. And, and I also always did better at finals. You know, Edmonton, I loved Edmonton. I went in there, and it, like, right as a rookie, I loved Edmonton. And it seems like, you know, when you get into that role, you do better in those places. You don't pressure up in those situations. I mean, another guy that loved Edmonton in my era was Roddy Hay, and it showed. Yeah, speaking of the Canadian finals, Daryl, uh, there's a record that you still own in the in the Canadian Pro Rodeo, uh, in, the, in Canadian Pro Rodeo, most consecutive bulls ridden at the at the CFR. You rode 17 in a row between 1990, 92, 90, and 93, and you placed yep. on 14. I'm happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> that that's going like, in as a rookie. Good? I went yeah, in. Yeah, that as was a your rookie. first year. <laughs> that's uh, like the, I don't know if anybody. Will, I don't think that record's even going to be close to touched in the next few years. But that well, it's, it's even more impressive going in as a rookie too. Like you talk about something new and you you don't know it yet, but I guess that ties into what you say about loving riding at the finals. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, just something. And I mean, I, I did the same before that, you know, and, and that's why I did well in my amateur rodeos too. I mean, we get to the finals. I love the finals and always did well, NRA and FCA, and just carried it with me. I, I, I love the finals. Got to get there. Daryl, we've talked a lot about the past, but I think we have to ask what uh, what's going on today. What are your, what are you and Bonnie and, and the kids doing today? Well, my kids get to live more of the life that maybe I would have liked to live because they get to rodeo, um, and they're both very successful at it. We give them all the tools, but you know you can't teach that try or or whatnot. They have to have that themselves. Um, Fallon's through, she's just going another, this is going into her third year of college. Um, and her rodeo career has got her full scholarships along the way, all the way. Um, Corbin is his last year, a junior high. He's was all around champion the last couple of years. Um, it, it's fun growing up with them. And this last little while has been kind of different because we're all home and that's never been a thing for, a lot of years we've been on the road every day. Um, you're home for two days, mailing out the clothes washer and, <laughs> and, and, you know, shoveling out the trailer and going to the next one because we travel from so far away. We've got that extra 100 miles to the first town. We live on the road. Well, this year with everything changed and canceled, we're all home. We're all moving cattle and calving cows. And it's been a lot of fun, actually. Quite enjoyed being at home kind of a it's kind of a welcome change for for some of us that are gone all the time it's kind of been there's parts of it that are actually okay aren't there oh there is you know and and this has made us double guess you know we wanted to sell the ranch but it's because we can't live there we're not there we're always just trying to get back to it or or get away from it this last while spending the time there has been quite a pleasure actually and it's not uh I mean, we we tried to talk to you from there, and you didn't have much for phone service. But it, like, I haven't been there, but I was starting to look at some pictures before we started here, and and it looks like just an amazing area. So it maybe maybe you guys end up will end up staying there. It sounds <laughs> well. If the kids were to stick around and help with chores, well, that's probably not going to happen here. I'm going to be getting ready to want to retire a little more on myself, but. Um, it is a beautiful place. Um, my grandpa was the first guy to own it back in the early fifties and, and it stayed in the family. It's, it's, uh, it's right on the river, the halfway and the halfway is one of the contributors to the peace river. So it's, it's a fairly big river Valley and it's kind of a place of its own. And I mean, we say it's so far, so far, but you know, it's only two hours to Fort St. John. And I know there's parts of Calgary it takes you two hours to get across so <laughs> yeah you, can, you know put it all in relationship it's not that big a deal the Alaska highway is all paved it's all paved highway I'm only a little over 15 miles of gravel road into the ranch wow it, it seems uh it's it's really neat to to hear that I've just never I, I think the furthest up that way I've been is is Fort St. John and maybe I don't even know where else I've been up that way but Someday, maybe we'll have to make it up there. We'll see. Well, door's open. Just let me know when you're coming. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Put you, put you way to work, Eddie. Um, one thing I thought of while we were talking, like, the PBR process stuff, where do you see, like, rodeo and bull riding, he like, heading in the future to kind of get into that mainstream of sport? Like, what do you think that we need to do? That's a tough question. I don't know. Um I mean, we started it because we thought 
athletes competing at that level deserve more money and and less travel and bigger events but now it's getting to where they've got that i don't know whether what you're going to see from there um i I don't know honestly (laughs) do you think it's do you think it's uh like a guarantee a more of a guarantee for some of the guys or maybe a salary though like just spitballing ideas here but but maybe is it uh like because it the 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 PBR started out kind of as a as a players union originally, and now they kind of don't have that being owned by Endeavor. Is that maybe something that the riders have to create on their own, or I I'm not sure. I'm just I'm curious what your thoughts are on this though, Daryl. Being one of the guys to to start it, do you think those might be some of the ideas, or or what do you think it might be? I don't know. I I do I kind of see that. I can see it going more like like the big sponsors recruiting guys in their team and and i could see more of a team format you know and and if they're recruiting guys just like any other sports you know they're going to be on a salary um i could see something like that going but otherwise just get it out there more and more money i think and hopefully uh they can keep up with the caliber and the speed the bulls are increasing there's kind of almost been more investment in the past uh you know 15 20 years on the bull side of things than there has been on the bull rider side of things there's probably like honestly there's been more people i think spend money on raising bulls than raising bull riders almost yeah they've got the they've got the bread to buck program going a lot better than the cowboys do (laughs) well waste we'll let you uh, ask the last question then we'll we'll wrap it up here uh, what is your definition of cowboy shit? Oh, the definition of cowboy. Probably just gritting and bearing it when you get you walk into a rodeo and it's mud up to your knees and the bulls are in the chutes and you got to just go on with it, I guess. Get on there, get out and make the best of it. Kind of caught I like me. It. I should have been more prepared. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay we, we ask all our guests it's kind of an on-the-spot question yeah i mean the other cowboy shit is definitely back on the ranch trying to <laughs> drag a bull out of a swamp or something you know i mean that's the yeah. real shit there but Especially anyway the swamps no, you guys have up there well we've got some muskeg in places i mean there's a little rock and mountains but there's some muskeg too and yeah you know you can and of course if you're having trouble with a an old bull and it's hot in the summer that's where he'll be Awesome. Well, thanks again, Daryl. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for taking the time uh, to visit with us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, and I thank you guys, and I thank you much for the recognition. I think it's a great honor. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. We never, we didn't get get to really talk about the list much. We, uh, we, uh, it's been a, it was a lot of fun to make that one and do the Bronc Rider one lately, but we didn't really get to talk about that though, that uh, that part. But thanks for thanks for being on the show back the back quite a few shows ago now, but. What did that? What did that mean to you? I guess just real quick, to be oh, to I, have that honor. You know, it's funny because I never really ever thought of it until you start putting it together. And I think, I think it's friggin' awesome. Of course, being where I am, I think that's, <laughs> yeah. You know, anytime a guy gets recognized at something that he's, you know, it's hard for people to really realize how much try effort, grinding down the trail and and walking through you know, being so sore, you don't even want to get out of bed to, you know, get through all of that. Nobody ever sees that part of it, but the actual 
goal in the end or the achievement in the end. It's great to see that recognition when you actually went there and did that and it worked. Uh, one, one fun question to wrap up. How many times were you 90 points or do you know? <laughs> Man, I, you know what? I honestly don't know. And <laughs> I've got quite a few of them. I know that, but I don't know how many. Heck, it'd be interesting just to count back at the Canadian finals. Never mind the other rodeos I was at. Oh yeah. Well, I, I know there's placed... been, there's been a lot of them. Probably like, what would you say? 20, 30, 50? What would you think? I have no idea. I'm curious now. Yeah, I'm saying probably in excess of 20 anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be more interesting. Enough. That's cool. Well, if you if you get sat down one day and figured out, let us know. <laughs> I'm not sure I can. <laughs> I, hell, I, that was one another thing when I was traveling with Glenn, cause I, I, and I think it's an advantage in many ways. I, I'd never remember a bull. I'd draw a bull up and I'd say, hey, do you know what this bull is? And Glenn would just shake his head and laugh. He said, you just got on him two weeks ago. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, so my memory on bulls is not very good. There's only a few of them in, that I that I can really remember real well, unless I see a video or something. But, oh, well, it was fun. Oh, well. Well, thanks again, Daryl. This was awesome. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. You bet. Thanks, guys. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks, Daryl. Hey, feeling good. When in Durku, walk around the neighborhood Feeling blessed, never stressed Got that sunshine on my Sunday bed Thanks again to Mr. Daryl Mills for being on the show this week Sorry for all the bullshit for, uh, at the beginning of the show for those, <laughs> that, uh, those that have listened this far, they got through the first bit You guys are real troopers, so we appreciate you listening Hopefully we give you a laugh or two here and there I know... Uh, our friend Mr. Foley's good. It's for not that bad. It's, it's just that's a, that's just ranching. Like if anybody who's listening has done any ranching, you know exactly what we're talking about. Hundred percent. It's happened some, at your farm. That's some cowboy. And then if you and if you're not, and if you're not, a, if you're not a rancher, then you learn something new today. That's just cowboy shit, really. You know, what, you if go. you're not a rancher right now, you're on YouTube googling pulling what we're se- talking about. <laughs> pulling semen from bulls, <laughs> and you're gonna get a video that you're not expecting. We'll post a clip of it on getting cowboy shit Instagram. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I think I got a video on my phone actually if you want to use it. Might have to. So Might I'll have uh, to. I'll oh, edit Wacy's face on the back. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Oh, holding the vibrator. The oh man, I can't believe you were the vibrator guy, Wace. Did you do you put that know, in your Tinder he, he looks, profile now, you know, or? now that, well now that I, No, I have to. <laughs> I just want to look. <laughs> What did you say? Did you put that on your Tinder profile? Oh no, hell no! I will like I don't know. It's one of those things. You're just you're working and you want to do a good job, and someone tells you to do something, you just do it. You don't ask any questions. Yeah, but how many people on their Tinder profile can can say <laughs> professional vibrator holder? Holder, you know what? But you know what? That also might send a bad vibe, like on the other end of things. Might you know, get, it could have might a reverse effect. Yeah, I can have a reverse effect. Like, oh, oh, really? So that means you lack in other areas, maybe. Ooh, like you got a small hang down. Yeah, like without like coming out right saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got paid to hold vibrators, so that's a job <laughs> too far. <laughs> that's a that's a job to remember. So here, here's my here's a question I thought of back to like the song thing. What's the song when you're at the club that gets you out on the floor, guaranteed every time, like no questions asked? I don't. I'm. I'm good. Like you're at the Long Branch on a Thursday night, student night. 
you see Cutie on the floor. The Long Branch in Saskatoon or Lloydminster? Saskatoon. And it, you're see the cutie from your stats two seventeen class. It's like, oh shoot, I've been great to talk to her, but you got to go dance. Like, what's that song? Would it would it have ever been Chattahoochee for you? Because it was for me in the eighth grade. Mine was <laughs> mine was nine to five by Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Every time. What Every song? Time. What song by Dolly Parton? Nine to five. Nine man. to five. Oh, what a way to make nine a living. Two five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was Chattahoochee. That was what they. That was the only country song they played at the grade eight dance. The vi- the much music video dance. <laughs> oh man, Chattahoochee. sponsored by Old Henry. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Yeah. That was he's, the one. he's wearing his cowboy hat and his like cowboy get up. Like, this is, this yeah. is my moment. This oh. is my jam. I've been waiting <laughs> for like this moment for four hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying because Cadillac Ranch. Do everybody want to square dance or like the? You know what? Once really pissed me. Like now that you mentioned line dancing. One thing that pisses me off about like bars and stuff nowadays, like country bars especially. They've turned every song into a line dance. Like it's fucking the worst. Yeah, but I I don't think you blame the bars. I think you blame the Americas. Well, not even the, I wouldn't say the Americans. The, even like there's a there's a crew of like a the dance crew in Calgary, like the out the country dance crew. This that, is, is this um, for real? This is a real stat you're saying right now. It, like at Ranch, yeah, it was like a 45 minute DJ set of line dances. Yeah, literally. That's yeah, just when we get wild. piled up. Is when they do line dances. And what are they like, called? Bro, what what's the group called? They're like called the Outlaw Country Dance Crew or something. I don't yeah, they know. should they even have kicked, trophies kicked off the, Facebook. I'm they even have trophies and they, and ranchmen with their well, name they, on. And they wear T-shirts like they wear T-shirts like the same T-shirts. Hog up the whole the dance floor, messing yeah. it up. And the girls probably wear those like wiener cowboy boots that are real pointy. You know what I mean? And they got yeah. the weird and then shit then, like, on them. They honestly don't even really dance like when they're it's like actual dancing. Yeah, but spin these around like bad, so. people are getting like kicked in the face and like it's like dude, oh, chill out, we get it. What about the wobble line dance? Not that's the oh man. You're when I was in fan. college in Texas, every bar in the in like the northwest region part of Texas played that song over and over again. Over How come you don't have that a... in the cute? How come you don't have an accent if you went to school in Texas? <laughs> Did you ever so have old. an accent accent when you went to school in Texas? Guaranteed. Guaranteed you didn't. Maybe for a while, no. Uh, I had another thing I wanted to ask you, Wacey. I was thinking the other Yo. day on the drive up, the biggest weekend I ever had rodeoing, like the most I ever went to in, in one weekend, and I went to six yep. rodeos in three days. I only missed one. I missed my bull by like 10 minutes at one. But I rode at five oh six in three days. Went to three on Saturday. It was a triple header. Two on Sunday, a noon perf and a two perf. I think I won three rodeos. Is this in the six junior bull ride? Three, six and three, you did? Yeah, six rodeos in three days. That was in in uh, like that I actually competed. I went to I went to a bunch with Posse one time in the states. We went to like St. Paul, Malala, Cody, uh, Red Lodge. We did. Uh, I drove them down to those ones we did like two a day there because we were in we, we did st paul and malala the same day um and then we drove overnight to cody wyoming and the next night we were in uh red lodge montana i think then we drove back and did the ranchmans and stuff so that was a busy time because we did like we did one a day like that that's like we've done i've done like a month straight now when we when we've been doing other stuff but like when yeah. i was competing it was like yeah six and three days that was the craziest run i think my my I, I, there was one really big week one year we did like seven or eight in like five days in five days that's a pretty yeah, good we started too. on two because there was like a three day or a two day event in yorkton that started on like a tuesday it was like the, before the august long weekend and we just ripped out to a bunch so like, that's quite it was that's like a, a bunch of cc 
that's a, that's a good that's a good run then because like I mean you could if you went like yeah. a week long you could say you went to eight or ten in ten days or something because you can't yeah. do that in August no. in Canada because you Man, can do the North Run. The guys in July. Oh yeah, they they hammer. Those guys are bananas. Sure, like, are like, bananas. That, like you go, uh, what is it, Wainwright? Wainwright, Sundry High River, Pinoka, Pinoka, Airdrie, Williams Lake, and then you go south. Well, no, and then you add in like clue, like if you're bull riding. You're bull you go, riding, yeah. We have stuff every day, and then we were in Airdrie, like, like yeah, there's one, one every day time. for a week. Oh yeah, well we like there was one time in, when I was working for Ram, like when I went to Pinoka, Pinoka Williams, like Airdrie or not, it was no, it was it was I was Innisfail, Wainwright, Pinoka, Ranchman's Calgary, and I I think I did like. 30 perfs in 29 days or something like we just worked every day for that whole month until calgary was over i didn't get a day off till stampede was done you were doing the rodeo ram report no i was i was a ram rep like i was a rep for ram rodeo so i had to get people to ballot like put the name in for the ballots and stuff oh yeah to win a truck working for the man working for the man corporate big corporate guy yeah corporate corporate Uh, corporate teddy just to finish off uh let's talk uh the the PBR with their team format. What do you guys think of the team business? Big actually? fan of the team format. You like I think it? That's the way things should move. That's really? The next step for the PBR. How do yeah, they make? 100%. How do you have a world champion when you have uh, the team stuff? Just the individual or what? It'd be. It'd be I'd even have like a team championship, like a Stanley Cup. Really? <sighs> team bull riding. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I, I'm guaranteed a big fan. I like form, sponsor, guaranteed. Sponsorship wise, sponsor wise, it's way more spotlight for like particular sponsors that sponsor your teams. You could bring in like a salary format for your players. You could have like a draft draft format. Then you could have like um, eight your, guys on the team. Use your velocity tour as your feeder system. Have eight I guys on the team for, instead of four. Then you don't have to get on six bulls a weekend. There you go. You have yeah, more exactly. guys. I think I think it's a great way. I, I like it. Okay, now 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 that you said I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of it. I I, th- I see the 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 benefits for like. Um, the the sponsorship side of things, you know what I mean. Team can I? So yeah, and, and you know my other my, my other argument for it though too is it's easier to follow for fans, so it's easier to attract a newer fan to the sport. Will it take uh, away the individuals though? What, what, Will you see less Jess Lockwoods because you only see Team Wrangler instead or Team Cooper Tires? Well, it'd be, but it'd be but it'd be it'd be like anything you say like it'd be like in the NHL like we have your Sidney Crosby's and Connor McDavid's like your your top guys are still going to be your top guys that drive that. I feel like it'll be easier to push those guys in the stop into the spotlight with a team format. You see them like leading a team. You know what I mean? I don't. I gotta yeah. say, hats off for them creating this and making it happen right now. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it probably is. one of the biggest. It's 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 one of the biggest uh, uh, innovations in the sport of bull riding in the last. Mm. I don't know how long. Like probably since the Global Cup at least, but before that was the World Cup. So I mean, you know, you could say like fifteen years on this. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, the biggest innovation, the biggest. And they've never had a chance to do this because they've never had this kind of time. So maybe this, maybe this is the way it goes. I don't know. I, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big. I, I don't like the format. I think the, or I shouldn't say the format. I don't like how they laid it out. Um, like calling each, uh, when two teams went against each other, calling it a game. I think they could maybe use a different wording to explain what what's going on. Um, the two bulls thing, each guy gets two bulls. I think that's pretty cool. Like Wacey said, the the sponsorship, putting a, a corporate name on each team is, you know, Team Wrangler, Team Can-Am, Team Yeti. Cooper Tires. Cooper Las Tires, Vegas. Las Vegas. Union Wrangler, Home Mortgage. Union Home Mortgage. If uh, you're looking for a new mortgage, those are the guys to probably those are talk to. probably the guys to talk to. But, uh, 
you, you know, that, that concept, you know, it, it is kind of cool. They could probably rename some things and maybe do some little twitches to make it more friendly for people like i, I it's don't the first think, time they've done it so they, they yeah, got some i don't think to it's make, gonna probably. bring new people into the sport of bull riding um i think a draft maybe but if you if you, might if you, if you, if you present right it now. properly though if you present it properly though it would like i guarantee you it would like, i think the, it is right now the problem sports on the, 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 the big problem with that like so just given like conversations i've had with my non-traditional rodeo fan friends is that it's so hard to it's a sport that's so hard to follow why? Right, because the point system, because the points. Well, it's easy yeah, for you they, to they, say they why, because you've been around the sport. They yeah, change but, like the so. Points. You say you say you're Jim who works downtown Calgary, and you go into this. You have no clue how the point system works, but it'd be easier to follow a team a team system, right? Yeah, I guess if they're going to hand it well, are we are we talking that we still can't do this in Canada? Like we can't no. have it. It's not going to be very feasible up here, I don't think. Okay, but so, you could, but but your TBPBR Canada could be part of your feeder system or your AHL, where those guys could get called up or drafted into it if they want to go down south and play, do yes. go on the team thing. Okay, so here's a question then. So say they draft. Okay, I'm yeah. team. Uh, I want to be a good team. I got to think. Team GMAC, yeah, team uh, Foley Buck yeah, and Bulls. I'm team FBB, and then team everything Cowboy. Team cowboy it, shit. It, it, no, we'll give Wacy Cowboy shit. You got to be everything Cowboy. Okay, right, fine. So. Who who are you going I for? I want to be team. I want to be be team dish ponies. <laughs> yeah, you can't have that name. <clears throat> I I'm uh, sponsoring it. I guess. Okay, well, you can have it. So who's, who's your, your first? Who's, yeah, who's your first round pick? JVL. Jeff Lock. Well, who who's has Frugo's first overall? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm would, saying you got first round pick. Who are you picking first overall? If he's if anybody in the uh, world Jeff is healthy, Lockwood, like Jeff Lockwood for sure. Now or 100%. ever. Well, no, the rider, right now, right current. now, right you now. Can't, you can't right take time, Murray. Today, today it's it's uh, Jose because he's because Lockwood's hurt. So well, it's, it's well, easy. You can take, you can take Lockwood. We're pretending he's healthy. Yeah, he is already. He's already he's won. Fresh, twice. we're go, 21, 21, 21 season. Twenty twenty one season. It's draft day. Who are you picking? That's the best way to present the question. Mm. Everybody's healthy. Winter off. I'm picking Lockwood. Easy. Not a chance. I think I think Jose because Lockwood. What did you say? He's buying that bull at the guy. He's kind of he's already won two. He's kind of like relaxing a bit. I don't think he's going to be as hungry this year. He wasn't as hungry the year after he won his first one. So I, I'm going to go Jose. I think he's, I think he's so, the strongest but, guy so, in the world so, right so, now. So, but you're going into a team format too. You got you to think like who's more likely to elevate your team. Man, have you have you not seen? Have you not been watching? That guy's been he's the, the guy's beating everybody phenom. by five bulls right now. I think he's riding a hundred percent this year in short goes. Lockwood's my pick, dude. Yo, Wacy, are you there? I'm here. It's your conscience. You're stupid <laughs> right now. Punk. The guys, the guys, right in a hundred percent. I, Jess Lockwood. Man, no, nothing against Jess. We like that guy. I love. He him. rides the ball good, but he's out or he's hurt. So he's you're... my cornerstone piece, man. He's my Connor McDavid. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, he he is a Connor McDavid. Who's your next? Who's your next pick? Are you gonna go? Are you gonna go Rodeo? Are you gonna go Sage Kimsey? Okay, just wait before we get into that. Are you gonna go? Why? Why? Chase Doherty. Why is there PRCA guys in it? I don't know. I've been wondering about that. You know, there's a lot of PBR guys so are at home. My, like, my argument for it right now, though, why those PRCA guys is given like the current like COVID situation. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but why don't they look after their own guys first? Yeah. No, like, I don't no know. offense, but, but like, why? But I, mean, I, I have no clue. Do they I need more? They need a 48. So I guess you can go that way a little bit. Yeah, but but got, this is pretty heavy. guys in the PBR. They're, oh, they're, yeah, what about the guys up here? I think they're trying to snag them right now. Honestly, like I think they're trying to recruit them to go and ride PBR after. They, they just want the elite of the elite. I think so. Because uh, you know, one of my, um, one of my favorite bull riders, Cody Casper, 
Yeah. Sponsored by Sponsored Foley Buck and Bulls. Bulls. Great guy. Great He's guy. an alternate, Great though. Kid. He didn't actually get in. Yeah, he drove down there and was a... Was a, was a, a Probably didn't get any money. He was, he was a grocery stick of bull riding. A grocery stick? Yeah, that's, the, that's the guy that st- <laughs> sits between the defenseman and the forwards. Splits just so the coach knows. Okay. He's but, a bit nasty of bull riding. He, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Casper drives Fourth all the line. way down there. He got paid whatever, 300 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is. But Not enough to drive all the way to Vegas. Know, yeah, that, that's a guy in the top 35 that isn't in this event. Like, that guy's got to eat, too. Yeah, and the, meanwhile, they're inviting guys man. that haven't supported them. I don't know. We better, we better call I, this up before I, I we get too far into this. I agree with yeah. that 100%, though, man. Take care of your own first. But I do, like, like if they did a... I think it, it would be, like... Well, Ty you, Murray picked Stetson Wright, I think, right? Like, yeah. Like, those but, guys picked the team, so they're... Partially, I understand they're trying to recruit the guys to go and ride PBR after this, because there's like there's no point to rodeo right now. That was that's actually something that I was thinking about before. But like in Canada this year, there is like no reason to have a rodeo. Everything's volunteered. There's some major flaws in the system that are be really being really being pointed out right now. It's an association that only does the sanctioning and the like administration of the rodeo. Where with PBR, we actually have a reason to do these events. There's actually some sponsors that are still involved. There's TV, there's broadcast, there's the ride pass. Like they actually have a reason to do it where rodeos, it's all volunteers. It's kind of like a shoddy thrown together organization that doesn't have any actual real reason to do it. It's just out of the goodness of people's hearts right now. And that's not, that's not business. It's just PBRs like organization. PBRs like a league where they got the, yeah, they're actually the closest thing to a real league that we have in our sport. Yeah. hundred percent. They got the Yeti, the, the Yeti, the Cooper tires, the Las Vegas, they got the yeah, sponsors. They got CBS, that they have real broadcast network. Yeah. Like they have CBS huge. Like I, I'd like to see their ratings now that there's nothing on the TV. betting's huge right now too. I guess I, I read somewhere that the betting on a, on a PBR event's the same as a NASCAR. Oh, I'm going to go right broke. Now, I'm going to go broke. If I can bet on PBR, you can where South point. Oh, I'm betting. Yeah, get to I it. think it's over now. But man, if if you could bet, like, start again on Friday. I'm guessing Lemmy's got horrible odds. Like, you're yeah, you're probably losing money on him. But like, you could probably get a couple stingers, like those Brazilians. Like Stetson Wright won uh, one of the nights, and he was like thirty to one or something. Oh, could have made some serious dough on that one. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just there's some flaws though on the rodeo side of things. And and then the government of Alberta today releases some guidelines on rodeo, and you can have a hundred people like. There's Man, no there, reason. There's so many rodeos in Canada that rely on like ticket sales on to gate, like yeah. make revenue and sponsorship, yeah, which fucked. is all gone this year too, for the most part. Like, and it's yeah, all man, and it's all volunteer run. Like the volunteers, they're not working. They're not going to want to put on a rodeo. That's a, that's a, well. That's another big flaw too. Is like a lot of the sponsor dollars that rodeos rely on is oil money. Yeah, a lot of it in Alberta, definitely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know what? It, it may not just be oil money, but it's. Uh... You it's know, a big factor of it, though. It is a big factor, and and let's be honest, that oil and gas supports a lot of things. A lot of things in in Alberta, a lot and, of the whole country, Western Canada. I tell you what, if a Stars helicopter picks you up, you won't see uh, Walmart on the side of it. Um, there's no, C- sure Canadian not. Natural Resources. No. There's Shell. Um, they're all oil companies that are big sponsors to to these guys, and and. Um, yeah, yeah, props. And another quick thing I'd just like to touch on. Me and Teddy had a good talk on the phone the other day about it, but June's men's mental health awareness. Yeah. So, uh, you know what I mean? So don't something something good month. to touch on. Instead of worrying about especially the... During, especially, especially right now, too. Oh, 100%, man. This is, a, this is a crappy time for everybody. I don't care if you sell socks at... Uh, what's a good sock store? Stance? St- I like Stance socks. You, you know what I mean? I they, go to the actually sock store in Vegas when I'm there. 
Yeah, big, so big you know what I mean? Guy. You sell socks or you work on a drilling rig or you sell stuff at be- Bed Bath & Beyond. Is that a place? That's a place, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was trying Love to think place. of okay, what, uh, the body shop. While we have you on, too, um, I don't want to get away from this one, but I mean, if, and nothing against all these challenges, but like do something, too. You can do a challenge, but like call a friend and help out, like reach out, call your friends, check in on them, right? Like let's... Let's look after people. It makes more actions that way. So don't don't be afraid to talk talk to people if you're uh, yeah you know haven't heard from a guy in a long time, you know it doesn't even have to be a guy I guess you know what I mean call anybody call anybody Anybody. talk talk to people don't don't be afraid I talk to Wacy, um you know I don't like to admit it but I do talk to you (laughs) Wacy. Hey man, I like hearing from you. Wacy, have you heard this story yet about the drive by and on Forty Seventh Street in Lloyd? No, I want to hear it, though. Oh, my God. Okay. So this was like... way to cap it off. I'm sleeping, having, like, what I consider maybe one of the best sleeps of my life. I can't confirm it, but I was sleeping, so it was good. (laughs) And uh, all of a sudden, my dog, Ruby, if you haven't seen her on my Snapchat, she's a legend. She is going nuts. And uh, there was possibly a, a crack house just a couple down right across the road and one done uh, allegedly it was a crack house so my dog's going nuts allegedly. okay my dog is going ballistic and uh, i'm in my ginch uh lululemon is what i wear and i'm like in my head <laughs> hey, no free ads yeah yeah so in, in my head i'm like okay there's a crackhead at my door like they, they just got into a fight did on you the get street. your rifle no, I got a bat. Get your pistol? So I grabbed a bat, and I peeked around the corner, and from from my uh, hallway, if you peek around to the left, there's a big bay window, and there's a flashlight pointing right into my house, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I could see red and blue lights. So I'm like, holy shit, like something serious is going on. So I go back into my bedroom, get some pants on and a shirt, and turn on the lights and I look out and there's like seven cop cars and all these cops walking around and I'm like, what the hell? So I open the door and I walk out onto my lawn or whatever. And this lady RCMP comes over to me and, and she's like, did you, uh, did you hear anything about half hour ago? And I'm like, no, my dog woke me up and she's like, Oh, uh, there was a, sh- a shooting right in front of your house. And I'm like, Holy shit. you're kidding. She's like, no, no. Uh, Somebody shot the house across from you. <laughs> I'm like, you're kidding me. You slept through it. I slept through a drive-by shooting, so they had to use footage from my security cameras to help solve this drive-by shooting, which I don't know if they ever caught the guy or what, but I was you're like... You're a hero. So in the morning, I like uh, I was going to work and didn't sleep that much because I'm like, I just about died. And... <laughs> And so I, I walk out to my truck and I started or whatever. And I'm like, ah, should I go take a look? Like he, I want to go see. Right. So I did the old, like walking across the road, like looking at my shoes, kicking a rock type deal, like pretending I was looking for something. And then I walked over to my neighbor across the road and I kind of, he's got a big spruce tree and I kind of just like walked underneath a spruce tree and I looked and I seen the bullet hole in the window. Dang. And then I quickly ran back to my truck and drove Dang. But it's your drive-by shooting. Dang. So wow. if you think you're hard, you know what I mean? You haven't lived in Lloydminster yet. Got, move, to Lo- move to Lloyd for a bit. Jeez. You got date raped in Turkey or whatever. You didn't have a drive-by <laughs> shooting in front of your house. 
Dang. Yeah. That's all good data. <laughs> okay. Okay, we all wrap this up. Thanks for the uh, studio. Mr. Foley, thanks for being our uh, co-host today. This was a lot of fun. Anytime. We almost made a full show out of just bullshitting. Like that's, that's back good. in the day, this could have been a full show. Yeah, just we got good, convers- good conversations. Yeah. Chemistry. Thanks for our in-studio audience, Mr. Jamie Maynard. Foley's too busy jailing his bulls. <laughs> oh, dear. Jailing. Mr. Storm Defoe. All yeah. big, uh, big day. So, yeah, we got to wrap it up. I got to go to bed. I'm tired. Thanks for listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey, episode number 67. Comes rolling right over the tip of my tongue so easy Should be the first damn thing I want when I start drinking I'm breathing her in